Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Let me talk to you guys for a minute about Garrison Matthews. Because Monday's card was only five games deep, so I don't think we really need to dedicate half an hour show to a five-game recap or a couple of things from it. Make no mistake, a couple of things. But we recommended Garrison Matthews as a, a trade deadline stash because of the likely move of Eric Gordon. It kind of stemmed from last Tuesday's show. We could go today with our buddy Jonas Nader, my good friend Jonas, talking about K.J. Martin on the Rockets. And as I scoured the Houston roster... The one thing that just kept jumping out was basically anytime one player was out, it was Matthews that took the big step forward. And it's not a perfect one-to-one correlation necessarily, but if you look through Garrison Matthews' game log to when he's been successful, there was the long uh, Kevin Porter Jr. absence that rolled from, what is that, like late November to... Mid-December? I think that was for COVID. No, it was an injury. It was an injury. And he put up some pretty big games there. He had a couple of clunkers mixed in. But, you know, if you're not a superstar, you're going to have some clunkers. And then he went back to playing 25-ish minutes of ball game, And he became a much less predictable fantasy asset. And then the last couple of days, really just last the one game for Garrison, Eric Gordon was ruled out. And Matthews immediately jumped back up. Not that it hasn't happened before. There have been some games sprinkled in there where he's gotten closer to 30 minutes, even when the Rockets were basically healthy coming into the ballgame. Like, you can look at, uh, what game was that? Like, January 19th. The Rockets mostly had their guys. Eric Gordon was in. Kevin Porter Jr. was in. Jalen Green was in. It was just kind of bad. And so Matthews ended up taking a bunch of the Jalen Green minutes. But the, the beauty of this is that he slots into pretty much any spot on the floor besides center. Garrison's 6'5", 205, so he can pretty much play point guard through power forward. He's not going to be the point guard. He's not going to be the true power forward, but a small ball four is well within reach. And it's not so much that he was the point guard when Kevin Porter Jr. was out as there were just more things to go around. It's not like he was playing point guard, but someone else that was playing shooting guard slid down to point, and maybe a small forward slid down to shooting guard, and so that just created a little bit more room. And the one thing that I that to me is just slapping me in the face with Matthews is that basically any time he gets around 30 minutes in a game, he's posted fantasy value. Just like I don't think we need to spend 30 minutes on a five-game recap, I don't need to spend the next six minutes going through each game where Garrison has broken 30 minutes this year. But we can do a few, just as sort of a point of reference. Starting in November, on the 27th, he played a ridiculous 38 minutes, had 20 points, three boards, a steal, and five three-pointers. The very next ball game, he played 33 minutes, had 19 points, five more three-pointers. Next game, 14 points, four threes, not much else. A steal and two rebounds. There wasn't a whole lot of peripheral stuff there. 16-3, two steals and a block. 13-7 with four threes. This is, this is the run. This is the Kevin Porter is missing ballgames run. 
19 and 2, 3 steals a block, 23 and 4, 2 steals, 2 blocks. He doesn't pass at all. His assists are going to be painfully low. So he's not going to be floating his value with precision passing. But the one thing that we are seeing with him is that there are sort of two different Garrison Matthewses this year. There's the one when one guy is out on the Rockets that plays 30 minutes and scores more like 14 or 15 points per game with just under a steal and about four rebounds and close to three three-pointers a night. And then there's the other Garrison Matthews when the team has been fully healthy where he dials back down to about 24-ish minutes per ball game, and he's scoring nine points with two and a half to three rebounds and .6 steals instead of one, and two, one and a half to two three-pointers instead of the big three that we were talking about before. It's hard to break this thing down. You could go through and you could look at every single Rockets game and try to figure out the ones where one guy was missing. But suffice it to say that lately... It's been a pretty clear correlation. And if you want to forget the games in November and just say, oh, that was too far back, we don't have, that, that may not correspond, things have changed between now and then. Over the last week and a half, there have been two such examples. On January 28th, Kevin Porter Jr. missed that ball game. I think he just had a cold or something. We, they didn't know he might have COVID, he didn't have COVID, it was something like that. Matthews played 36 minutes, had 21 points, a rebound, three assists, two steals, and four three-pointers. And then the last ball game against New Orleans, Rockets lost, 18 points, a rebound, four assists, a block, and five three-pointers in that ball game. And basically, the rest of the time, the team has had Porter and Gordon in the lineup. Eric Gordon's been strikingly consistent this year, much to, I think, our collective chagrin because he doesn't really post fantasy value because his other stuff isn't good. Free throw percent isn't as good as it needs to be. Field goal percent is always painfully low with Gordon. And that's going to be a problem with Matthews as well. His field goal percent is going to be low because most of his shots are from the perimeter. He's basically like a wing Eric Gordon, similar steals numbers, similar shot profile, but a better foul shooter. And I would argue maybe a slightly better rebounder, although that one is kind of up in the air. Here's the other side of the coin. By the way, this is all just to say you should be picking him up because Eric Gordon has already been ruled out for tonight. He's probably just going to be out through the trade deadline, and then he's probably not going to be on the Rockets past the trade deadline. So I think you can add Garrison Matthews. I will add this caveat at the end of this Matthews seven, eight-minute show opening rant, which is... Because he doesn't rebound all that well. He's like, meh. He's meh rebounder. And he doesn't pass at all. Terrible passer. He doesn't... I mean, he's, he had a couple more recently, but not a good passer in general. He's not... Like, when, he go, when the ball goes to him, it's probably going up. Because of those factors... By the way, the fact that he has .4 blocks per game this year is actually, like, pretty significant and helpful for his fantasy value. Because if you got him full-time minutes and he was like one steal and half a block, that's a very different situation than one steal and like 0.1 blocks. Anyway, back to the point I was making. Point is, the upside is not all that high. You know, we're not talking about Clay Thompson here, who's going to bang in three-pointers at a much higher clip and, you know, 90% foul shooting or whatever it is. Although Matthews, you know, first two years of his career, he was at about 89%. So it's possible he gets back up into that neck of the woods. The upside is limited because he doesn't get many steals, he doesn't rebound, he doesn't pass all that well. 
So even if you add him for a value, which I think he will be, we're talking, you know, like a top 90 kind of target. And even as I say it out loud, I know you guys are collectively listening to that number and saying, oh, Dan, you just made me listen to an eight-minute show opening rant longer than that now to tell me about a guy who might have top 90 upside. Yeah, here's why. There aren't that many guys on the wire who can actually roll between 80 and 95 for an entire season. We see it every year. Most of the guys inside the top 90 were drafted. Not everybody. There are obviously much more examples of guys between 60 and 100 that weren't drafted than inside the top 60. But that's just the thing. If you're looking for someone on the wire who's going to roll top 60 the rest of the way, they pretty much just don't exist. The very few examples of that are, what if Alper and Shengun gets turned loose and somehow simultaneously fixes his field goal and free throw percent issues? That's going to hold him back. Even though he's going to put up some pretty gaudy numbers, that'll probably hold him back. The one player, one, literally one, that I see on the board that people are talking about right now that could step into a top 60 valuation is if Kelly Olynyk moves into the starting five and Jeremy Grant gets traded. That's like the one guy out there where we've seen it, we know the stat set supports it, and even though he's been downright awful lately, it's why we have to stick through that stash for two more days. If the guy in front of him gets out of the way, he becomes a bona fide monster. The rest of the stuff that we're talking about here, uh, Indiana, like if all of their centers get traded, Isaiah Jackson maybe could get up into that neck of the woods, but it's going to take a lot of pieces being moved. Chris Duarte is not going to be a top 60 guy. They aren't really out there in any significant number, which is why when you can find someone who might roll at 85 to 90 or 95 even, Roto or head-to-head for a two-month stretch, that's still a proper value. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop? No. Sports Ethos presentation. <laughs> oh, Bespris, you moron. I am Dan Bespris, a moron who can't remember that his site changed its name two and a half months ago at this point. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sports Ethos is sportsethos.com or at ethosfantasybk on Twitter. I will start today's actual part of the show by suggesting kindly that you tune into our trade deadline live coverage special. That's first thing Thursday morning here on the Pacific Coast, 8 a.m. The show begins. It'll be on YouTube. It's very easy to find. We'll be tweeting the link out relentlessly throughout the morning. But right now, what we need from you guys, go subscribe to the YouTube page, set an alarm Click the little alarm bell on the YouTube page for that trade deadline live show. Click the thumbs up button so that you're aware when we get rolling. The link is in the description of this very podcast. It's so easy to find. Remember that? It's so easy a caveman could do it. A caveman could literally boot up an internet connection and figure out how to like our trade deadline YouTube page show. So please go do that immediately. Uh, just a five game Monday recap. So I'm going to throw in a promo here before we even get started. And that is for our buddies over expressvpn.com slash hoopball is the specialty link you guys can use to get 15 months for the price of 12 on your ExpressVPN membership. Again, that's three bonus months on the end of a one year subscription. Yesterday, I mentioned how ExpressVPN is enlightening us all to the fact that internet prices haven't gone up that much because your ISP is selling your information. 
That's how they're making half of their money. They don't need to charge you more for their internet connection because they're making bank off whatever you're doing on the internet. So you get these targeted advertisements. It's not magic. You know, it's cookies, things of that nature. And your ISP, just like, oh yeah, another person went to go look for loafers. Give them an ad for loafers. I happen to think that the, and, and again, I've talked about this before. I actually, like I, I, I've used the internet long enough now to where I almost don't even notice that I'm being targeted for things. I'm sure many of you are are super annoyed by it. And if you are, awesome. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. I'm not. I like ExpressVPN because I can change my location. I think that's a really neat, frankly, and relevant and useful thing to be able to do. So I can watch out-of-market games or in-market games, I guess, as it were. I can watch streaming services as if I were in a different part of the world. They just get different shows at different times. It's a really, really impressive tool. And, of course, it does protect your privacy as well. Go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball, all one word, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, our old name, and go get 15 months for the price of 12. You don't even have to enter a code if you just use that link, which, by the way, is also in the podcast description, should you be looking for it. Sign up today. Miami trounced Washington third straight blowout win for the Heat, so we really haven't gotten a ton of data on Miami of late. They're the one seed in the Eastern Conference. They just keep rolling along. Very good home team. They're finally pretty damn close to healthy. I think they basically are at this point, aside from Victor Oladipo, who I think we can count on. And they didn't even really need big games from their main guys. Bam Adebayo had a pretty good one, but, I mean, this was just spreading the wealth. Jimmy Butler was, like, fan. Everybody was kind of meh. Gabe Vincent has the best game for the Heat, and he came off the bench for 28 minutes. Throw it out! Blowouts, throw them out. I've been keeping an eye on P.J. Tucker to see if he could get going, but again, with all these blowouts, it's almost impossible to, to get a read on it. Same deal for guys like Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Caleb Martin. They're frankly too good right now, and the Wizards are also at the same time really kind of awful. And we all knew this was coming. There was no team that started quicker where you looked at it and you were like, yeah, that's, that's going to come apart like a house of cards. Because they just didn't have any talent around Bradley Beal. They had plenty of okay players. Some veterans, guys that came out of the shoot just playing hard, winning games with defense. Well, when teams started to figure out how to attack them, well, the whole thing's come apart. Wizards are now 24-29. and 29. They're no longer even in the play-in. Reports are that Bradley Beal is going to stick with them, which now you start to worry, what does that mean for Beal down the stretch? Is he even going to come back from this wrist thing? Try not to go all doom and gloom on it, but they're pretty bad right now. They'd be wise to try to move things if they can. So what I'll say to that end is, I'm not really stashing anybody on the Wizards. I keep getting all these questions like, well, should I stash Daniel Gafford? Should I stash Thomas Bryant? Should I stash Montrez Harrell? Should I stash Denny Avdia? Whatever. I have no Wizards on my fantasy teams right now. I have Spencer Dinwiddie on a punt bigs team, and even that's kind of annoying. They're just bad, and no one on the team has fantasy value. I don't think you need to need to use a move on them this week until we see what they do. If we find out on Thursday morning that Thomas Bryant gets traded, then yes, you do stash Daniel Gafford at that point, but I don't think you do it in preparation for it. And it's really because there's just too much there's sort of too much hanging in the balance. What are you going to do? Pick up the whole damn team? Nah. Nah. 
Daniel Gafford, by the way, is one of those names of someone that might step into like a top 85, 80 valuation if the guy in front of him gets pushed out of the way. So I don't, you know, but if not, the other direction is, is a bleak territory. Toronto showing no signs of slowing down. Thank goodness, because as badly as I missed on uh, a few of my my season win total bets, the Raptors are uh, coasting in the right direction these days. Thank goodness the Celtics are starting to win too. I faded how many missed games they had last year. That was the simplicity of that handicap. Anyway, uh, well, they're doing it by playing everybody a billion minutes. And Charlotte did the same thing in this ballgame, so I guess turnabout is fair play. LaMelo Ball played 44 of the 48 minutes of this regulation game. But the news of the day was, number one, Chris Boucher going back to doing just enough fantasy stuff in just under 20 minutes of ballgame, and heaven forbid, which, again, it's going to happen. It's a matter of time. Heaven forbid any of the four Mega Minutes guys get hurt. Or if, if you include Scotty Barnes, you could say the five big starters minutes guys. If any of those five guys get hurt, even for a day, Boucher steps into probably seven, eight extra minutes. So he's very much a stronghold. And I haven't heard too many Boucher-related questions. I think people have caught on that, like, this is what he does. When he's getting 18, 19 minutes, he's going to go a few points, a few rebounds, steals, blocks, maybe a three-pointer every now and again. He does it in a bunch of different categories. Meanwhile, on the Charlotte side, Gordon Haywood, who just made it back from uh, a previous ailment, I think it was COVID, if I'm remembering right, is back out again, turned an ankle late in the first quarter of this ballgame, which, as we saw in the last time around, really opens the door for P.J. Washington. So P.J., should he have been dropped? Because, frankly, look, he's been annoying to roster this year because he's pretty much split his time with Mason Plumley. A couple of games Plumley missed, P.J. got to go big. Other way around, same deal. When P.J. was out, Plumley got to go a little bit bigger. Now, Charlotte, who has dramatically trimmed their rotation of late, when any of those wing guys are out, it seems like they're willing to play P.J. at the four and move Miles Bridges down to the three, who's just been great everywhere they've put him. So P.J. gets those backup center minutes, and then they can also tack on an extra 10 to 15 at some other position on the floor, and then pushes him way up and over the, the cut line. Phoenix beat Chicago 127-124. This game was actually not all that close. Chicago... Closed the game on a 12-0 run. They were down 15 with just a couple minutes left. And Phoenix just kind of stopped playing. But Devin Booker had another big ball game. Briefly tweaked something in his leg, but seems to be okay. Had 38 points, another big showing. Phoenix is just mauling people. JaVale McGee came on seamlessly. DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble, so JaVale was like, I got you. Huge game. Chris Paul, another big one. So efficient, hyper-efficient Chris Paul. Mikael Bridges has been hot lately. Everything's clicking, man. Io finally slowed down on the Chicago side. Two points, two rebounds. This is a serious dud. I'm holding. Still played 33 minutes. Doesn't get much usage. Generally doesn't need it. The zero assists are a little bit unnerving. And what I'll say is, Phoenix is just really good. Phoenix is just really good. Got to hang on a little bit longer. Uh, Javante Green also slowed down in this game. And I think you can put that on Phoenix as well. Although I will say this, with Green, he's not going to get assists the way that Io has been. So it has to be defensive stats 
If those aren't there, I'm not even worried about the other stuff with Green. And so I'm not quite as high on him fantasy-wise as some others might be. DeMar DeRozan's kicked it back into high gear these days. That's kind of cool. Fun, fun, fun. But nothing really from a fantasy standpoint, so we can keep shuffling along here. Golden State beat Oklahoma City 110-98. They are now mauling people again, even without Draymond Green. Warriors have won eight games in a row. Warriors and Suns are 9-1 and one in their last 10 ballgames, each of them. You know what team in the NBA is 8-2 and two in its last 10 ballgames? The Toronto Raptors. They've won six games in a row. A lot of teams are 7-3 and three, their last 10. I'd like to separate that group from the pack, but you can't really. Wolves, Grizz in the Western Conference, Bucks, Cavs, Sixers, Celtics, Hawks are all 7-3 and three their last 10. That's not impressive anymore. Got to get to eight and two if you want me to care. Clay Thompson, season I, 28 minutes and 58 seconds. That's a terrific sign for Clay. He is coming. He's almost there. Six for six, the foul line. Starting to click a little bit. Steph Curry doesn't even have to put up juicy numbers anymore. Apparently, he's got enough help. Warriors offensively are just good enough. They've been solid there, very good in the half court. And then defensively, they've been awesome all season long. Otto Porter did play, but he only played 15 minutes. And I think now that his back is acting up on him, we probably can't roll with him anymore. Much as I love the Otto Porter stream, he played himself right into one of these traditional Otto Porter injuries, which is my body can't do this. It's too many. It's too many things for my old body. So sad. I thought maybe he had turned a corner because it seemed like he was just humming along. He hadn't really heard anything. He was getting his rest day on back-to-backs and everybody was fine. And then, uh uh-oh. You know, two, three games out for a backs thing. Oh, boy. So if you're hoping for Otto Porter to come back and be as good as he was before the injury, which I was, he's probably not going to be. Ah, well. Oklahoma City side, there's a little, there's stuff going on. Lou Dort came back for this one, and he's, he's going to be crazy while Shea is out. Just all the usage he can handle. Uh, Josh Giddy, similar boat, all the usage he can handle. With uh, Aaron Wiggins out, Darius Baisley does appear to now be the starting power forward. He's a points league darling. Been a little bit better lately than he had his previous seasons. I still don't think I can advocate a pickup there. Points league have at it, man, because you're not in most. Sorry, I know some of you out there are like, no, Dan, not all points leagues. Fine. Most points leagues don't really care about field goal and free throw percent. Most of them. And Baisley's great if you don't have to worry about those because he'll get you points and rebounds and he'll get you some steals, maybe a block here and there. But generally, it's going to take him... And he shot the ball better in this ballgame, but generally, it's going to take him about a shot per point. And the free throws are even uglier. I don't think either of those is magically turning a corner here all of a sudden. But, I mean, if you wanted to go crazy, just whatever. Don't. I, I really would say don't do it. Kenrich Williams... Showcase game. He probably won't be a Thunder after the trade deadline. And I don't know what the hell got into Mitchell Robinson. He's been sitting on my bench because of how bad he's been at the free throw line lately. And oopsies, missed this ball game. Holy moly. Mondo Mitch. Well, if you needed another reason to drop Nerland's Noel, this ball game is certainly that one. Wow. Evan Fournier's been pretty good lately. I know he wasn't quite as loud in this ball game, but he has moved into enough shots per night now. And it also kind of just feels like that that shooting guard job is his. Cam Reddish isn't taking it 
Manuel quickly, I keep telling you guys, he's, just, he's not that great. He's one of those guys that's a bit overhyped because he's playing in New York. Man, did I, I did not see this Mitchell Robinson game coming. This is the kind of game that jumps you like a round and a half in fantasy, even in February. Huge performance. Line of the night. Utah needs Rudy Gobert back. Need I say more? Jazz are three and seven. No. Yeah, still three and seven. I think they're three and seven in their last 10 ball games. I closed the window. Oopsies. They've kind of fallen back now. Jazz are in jeopardy of falling behind the Mavericks. Mavs are playing well, but it's really going to come down to when Gobert comes back. He's close. He was a limited participant in practice prior to this game on Monday night, which means he's probably coming back by the end of this week. So maybe by the weekend, something in that. Like, they got to be careful. Calf stuff takes a while. This is what we said. Remember when he went down and he was like, oh, I'll be back by the end of the week. We came on the podcast and we're like, nah, he won't be. Calves, they, they, calves just don't magically get better. It takes them time. Although at least Donovan Mitchell's back and he's putting up numbers again. So, you know, cool on that front. We'll take it. Uh, I wonder how many of you guys had an opportunity yesterday to try out ThriveFantasy.com. Did you? Did you try it? The Thrive Fantasy app, available on both Apple and Android devices. So much fun. I just, I adore hearing from some of you guys, some of you listeners that have been like, Dan, you were right. I put $10 in. I got my $10 match bonus. 100% match bonus. I got my two $20 contest entry vouchers. I bugged your DFS experts at Hoopball because, you know, I didn't need them to tell me what weird bench guy was going to go off. I was just able to ask them, hey, is this a good opportunity for one of the superstars to get big? And I put together a lineup of prop bets, overs and unders. That's all it is. You got 20 to pick from. You choose 10. And if you have the best winning points, the percentages, basically, like if you hit... The, there are some overs and unders that do reflect actual betting numbers. Like the over, you get fewer points than the under if you're fading the general populace. Rack up the most points, win money. Overs and unders on the biggest names on the card. That's how Thrive Fantasy keeps it fun, and they do. ThriveFantasy.com, promo code is ETHOS. Probably should tell you guys that. E-T-H-O-S. ETHOS. Like our site name that I almost called Hoopball earlier in the show. Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, 100% deposit match bonus and contest entry vouchers. Please, guys, just try a $10 deposit. I promise you will have fun, even if you end up losing your 10 and then your other 10 and then your other 40. But I think you'll win something because you guys are smart. You guys are good at, at basketball analysis. You're, I think we're all getting there together. Try it out. Join us, won't you? Yeah, you'll join us. I can feel it. Well, that's your Monday recap. Short card. They went backwards this time around. It's Big Tuesday. You got 10 games coming up tonight. Plenty of homework that we can discuss on the Twitters. I will say again, advice for the week. Save your moves for Thursday morning unless you have an advanced copy of the test, which is basically what we've gotten with the Houston Rockets. 
They've given us a copy of the pop quiz before it came out. And the answers, which are circled, are, hey, Alper and Shengun, you go ahead and you start games. Garrison Matthews, you go ahead and you grab six of those Eric Gordon minutes and just have at it. Bomb some three-pointers in there. Have some fun. Let's get wild and woolly. So Shengun on your roster, Matthews on your roster. And my favorite stashes remain, Matthews is one of them because I felt like he had the highest probability of going from being outside the cut line to being inside of it. And then DeAnthony Melton, Kelly Olynyk are also on that list, as you guys probably recall. Streaming options still abound. We will talk about those on social media as well. Thanks again for listening, everybody. This will just be a half an hour episode. Quickie. So you get after a five-game uh, card. That's it. We're done. I'm at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I'll hopefully, I'll talk to you guys there. Uh, we're having a wingding over on social media these days. It's a good, t- it's a good place for it. This is where you got to get your news real quick. First come, first serve. Going into the trade deadline. Break down the big Tuesday card tomorrow. And we'll talk to you then. So long, everybody.